welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Don Housen. I'm James Marriott. You nearly forgot there, didn't I you? Did. It's it's first one back after the summer recess. You, you caught me off guard. I was, <laughs> I was waiting for your intro. Right, coming up, uh, Steve Bruce, uh, Stadium Sale. More manager talk. We'll do some kit talk. We'll do some pre-season talk. Before all of that, though, and I've been wanting to say this since we started it, we have some breaking news because in the what the last hour or so, the transfer embargo has been lifted. Um, now, obviously, you've been covering this quite closely. Tell us all about it. Well, isn't it just great that it's now finally over? Yes, and uh, and Wednesday can carry on with well, we'll get back to trading without the restrictions of a soft transfer embargo, as we've seen. The only business so far they've done is uh, sign three players um, for uh, nothing, three agents. So, uh, yeah, hopefully... They're running out of time, just under two weeks to go. They're going to, you know, get get some business done. But I, the, uh, what I think's happening uh, at the moment, of course, the, the number one priority is the managerial situation that we're going to cover more in depth, I'm sure, in a bit. But uh, I, I, I think it's going to be the case with a lot of championship teams that I think it will just go right to the wire that August the 8th, that deadline, mm-hmm. I expect uh, Wednesday to be very busy on deadline day and leading up to it. There's, um, yeah, I mean, there's not been a lot of movement throughout the championship. Has it? And we, when we recorded our kind of midsummer um, episode a few weeks back, and we kind of said then, it's a bit stagnant, the market, and it's not particularly changed. It's not like there's been players switching hands all over the place. And I think there's uh, a lot of caution. There's a lot of teams that have reached this kind of, this point of the three-year cycle since it became a three-year cycle that are just like, we're a bit stuck now. Um so yeah, there's only really Brentford that seem to be kind of you know unexpectedly splashing money around. So um, yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll kind of chat more about kind of the squad and stuff like that in um, in a little while, and and kind of maybe what what business Wednesday need to be looking at, at doing before the uh, the transfer window closes. Um, just on the subject of the embargo, um, it, it seems to have really dragged on this, and 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 when it first kind of became a thing. It, Everyone seemed really chilled about it, almost as if like it's just a temporary thing. It's just a bit of an inconvenience, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna cause any problems. And it seems to have really gone on for a while. What, what have you, have you kind of got that feeling from the club that it's maybe dragged on longer than they expected, and uh, probably been a little bit more problematic than it was originally thought? Yeah, I think that's definitely been the case. That I don't think the club envisaged that it would drag on and go on for as long as it has. Uh, but then th- I think there's been a lot of back and forth between the club and the EFL want- and the EFL wanting certain things to be ironed out. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, I mean, what's underpinned them uh, getting out of the embargo uh, as being the fact that they have filed their accounts and it has been revealed there that the stadium has been sold and that you know, the chairman uh, has purchased Hillsborough. So uh, that's that was you know clearly a big deal but uh that's that's the thing that um sometimes these things they can just drag on for a long time so i think there's just been a lot of t- you know talk back and forth but yeah finally they have got there uh and now there's sort of some light at the end of the tunnel and you know you look at i mean you look at the situation with Josh McEachern in the last couple of weeks he's been playing in the games and uh training with the team uh, that would they, you know, I think Steve Bruce, if he'd still been in charge, mm-hmm. would have maybe considered and looked at signing Josh McEachern. But at the time, because of the embargo, 
they weren't able to, you know, they weren't able to register players. Whereas uh, now the existing players that they offered contracts to, Westwood, Kieran Lee, Liam Palmer, they're all out there in the open. And of course, the three signings that they've made. Uh, so, yes, yeah, a case of building on it now. Um, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about the stadium stale. Try and say that actually in actual English stadium sale uh, and the other kind of financial bits and bobs um, later on because that's kind of been around for a while. Um, it feels like it, I, I messaged you a couple of days ago saying, "Well, not not a lot's changed since we last recorded." And then when I actually sit down and and did all the maths and stuff, I'm like, "Actually, there is a fair bit that's changed because Steve Bruce was still manager uh, last time we talked." So um, yeah, I mean, this this all the whole thing came. You you were on uh, you were on holiday, weren't you? When it all kind of kicked off, there were kind of rumours about that that Newcastle were looking at him, and and I've even got a, a message that I sent someone saying. I really, I can't see it. I can't see Newcastle going for Steve Bruce. It doesn't make any sense. Rafa Benitez going out and going after Steve Bruce. And then in the space of a week, he'd, he'd gone. It just, it all seemed to happen so quickly. And um, yeah, what was your take on it all? I have to agree with what the vast majority of Wednesday fans feel, which is that it leaves a very sort of bad taste in the mouth, really. Mm-hmm. that uh, You look at it, from the very beginning, Steve Bruce was given over a month by the chairman to you know go have you know his break in, in the Caribbean, go watch you know England cricket, and uh, you know after having such a tough year in 2018, the club were very understanding and accommodating about his needs. So yeah, then you know, within five months or so of the project and Steve Bruce beginning to. You know, look as if he was working and weaving his magic and t- turn things around. For then, really, at the first sign of yeah, another club being interested in him, he's jumped ship. Uh, I yeah, I think a lot of people, and I totally get it, will you know, find that hard to take. Really, that uh, it, it you know, with three weeks to go until the start of the season when you know, it sort of got announced that Steve Bruce had resigned and was then going to Newcastle, just left the club in the lurch. You know, it's yeah. completely disrupted the pre-season uh, preparations. And so it's impossible in this situation to not have sympathy for the chairman right now as uh, he had put all his eggs in Steve Bruce's basket. You know, he was banking on Steve Bruce was the man mm-hmm. to lead what you know everyone hopes is going to be a promotion push this season and now that's not going to be the case and so when um, uh, the chairman has is, is been left to pick up the pieces and try and make uh, the appointment as fast as possible before that first game and, and obviously I mean the big factor is too that especially now having come out of the embargo the countdown's on until when the transfer window closes yeah. uh, you know, less than two weeks so it's a very uh, unusual and um, tricky situation that Sheffield Wednesday find themselves in right now. The the kind of the shame of it all is that um, Steve Bruce was starting to put together the kind of the squad that he wanted and he was bringing in, you know, he identified where there were holes in the squad, where we were where we were weak, where we needed uh, to bring in players to kind of suit the system that he was going to play. And we'd, you know, we'd seen it with the three players that he'd brought in that you kind of look at and think, you know, they all kind of match. You know, we, we talked about this idea of, is he going to revert to three at the back, bringing in another centre-half, fitted that, um, and obviously bringing in players that, that will get down the wings, seem to kind of suggest that, that you know, 
there was going to be a way that he was going to play there. Also, just stuff like um, you know Jordan Rhodes coming back from from Norwich um, and getting time in in preseason games suggested maybe he saw a role for for him and he might fit into the way that Steve Bruce wanted to play. Um, so that's the real sad thing for me is that we we seem to be kind of even against the odds with the embargo and with the the difficulty that that we knew that we were going to have embargo or no embargo um, that that he was managing to put together a team that was more balanced. How many times did we stand here last season and talk about it's an unbalanced squad? You know, it's difficult. Like when when so and so's out, who plays in that role? There isn't anyone really, unless you move so and so there, and that leaves you a gap there. You know, it just wasn't it wasn't right. We'd got more strikers than we knew what to do with, but no one that could ping a ball into the box. Um, so it, it seemed like you know we were, we were getting there in terms of re readdressing that, and now it all just kind of gets. It, it feels like it's on hold, doesn't it? Like we we don't we don't until we've got a manager in Lee Bullen can't really start putting his stamp on that team because you kind of think if he was going to get the job, it would probably have happened by now. There'd been some kind of announcement about him having it. Certainly, even if it's you know in the, in the meantime, and it's been it's been all quiet. I noticed he's, you know his odds of of really kind of after a while he was kind of odds on favourite, and and now they've really lengthened. Um, so until there is someone new there, how, how that's going to unfold is. It's, it's difficult to see, and this season being the first where the transfer window closes so soon after the start of the season doesn't really help us. So um, yeah, it's. I think I think we're all quite entitled to feel a bit annoyed at Steve Bruce for the timing. Everything about it has been has just been rubbish, really. And um, there's been a lot said about it. We probably don't particularly need to add any more to it. I guess the important thing now is put it to bed. Trust that the chairman will will get the best deal that he can out of um, out of Newcastle, however long that kind of rolls on. We look to the future and we look at you know who who is going to come in because there's been plenty of names mentioned over the last couple of weeks. The odds of you know swapped and changed. There's been play, uh, names that have been really high up there. Chris Coleman was kind of odds on favourite for a while. He's really kind of drifted out of the picture as well. As we record now, uh, Gary Rowett's. Uh, again, kind of come from nowhere to become, at the moment, the big favourite. There's that name of Chris Hutton, which has been lingering around for a while. Um, he did rule himself out, and yet he's never kind of slipped out of the picture. Um, and then a new name in Rui Silva that, that came in uh, over the last couple of days that kind of came from um, nowhere. Um, you know you know your stuff. Who's going to be our, Who's going to be Wednesday's new manager? They've had talks with Chris Hewen, uh, and I, I, I get the impression that I think you know Chris Hewen is right up at the top of their list. Uh, but the issue there is that you know Chris Hewen was managing only in the Premier League a yep. couple of months ago, and and I you know, f- believe that I, you know, I think Chris Hewen sees himself now as he's proven himself at the highest level, yep. and so ideally from his perspective, I think he'd like to go back there rather than have to take a club up uh, from yep. the Championship. Uh, but uh, I mean, who who knows? I I don't think it's over yet by any means. Uh, I think it's definitely one to still watch. He personally would be my choice. Uh, I I agree with everything that Alan Biggs said um, to you, know, to you last week. Who, by the way, yeah, thanks for coming on, Alan, last week. Yes, he was, uh, he, he was great. Uh, the yeah, you know, you look at the CV and what he's done in the game. Uh, I I think of the British contingent. He is. The standout choice by some distance. Yeah, um, it's difficult to argue with 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 that, and, and just kind of his all his 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 record, the way that he manages, just his persona kind of fits with what we need at the moment because he's kind of like a a, a kind of a younger model of Steve Bruce in a lot of ways. Uh, well, um, 
you look at it and think that I do like you say I I like the way he carries himself yeah. uh, and he I do think would be a calming influence on the club and uh, Brian as well in the year that they got promoted uh, out of this division uh, he didn't actually spend masses and masses of money uh, on players or you know he didn't strengthen and bring loads of players in which is of course what Wednesday did post Wembley, uh, and, and so I, I think that Chris Hewton would be shrewd in the market, and you know, he, similar to Steve Bruce, he'd have a lot of friends in the game. Uh, it, it, it's a heck of a bigger challenge for him, though, this isn't it? Because he, he, everywhere he's been, generally speaking, he's he's had budgets. You know, he has had some money to play around with. Um, you're right in terms of the fact that there, there, have, there have been seasons where he's not spent a lot but generally he's been to a club and, and always had something to spend at some point maybe early on and then you know just kind of you know slow kind of strengthening from from there this is quite a different um, equation for him so um, I think that'd be a real daunting prospect for a, a manager that's been there and done it to, to kind of go in but in a lot of ways maybe quite an exciting prospect you know this is this would be against if you could take Wednesday it'd be really against the odds particularly considering the way the last few weeks have gone and how Wednesday you're going to be entering the the season a little bit on the back foot what do you make of the other British names from Tony Pulis, Chris Coleman, Gary Monk yeah um none of them None of them leap out at you, do they? None of them you think, oh, great, yeah. I mean, Tony Pulis of five years ago, you'd think, oh, he, he could do a job in the in the championship. But it, but it would be the least kind of inspiring yeah. appointment that you can sort of imagine. Gary Monk, uh, I can't get excited about. I don't know. Um, did a very good job uh, at Birmingham, to yeah. be, in all honesty, uh, last year. And I actually didn't do great at Leeds, but... Uh, Swansea, very good a few yeah. years ago. I, I don't think he'd be the worst shout. And, and Gary Rower, he failed at Stoke, yep. but then you go back to Derby and Birmingham, where again I think he, you know, overall he was a success. Uh, so I, I, you know, and I also I, I'm a big fan of Gary Rower too. Again, I think he's another one who's very sort of direct and honest, and I could see him somebody who can unite the fan base and unite the club. What I find difficult, really, with somebody like a Tony Pulis is I just think that he's a bit of a Marmite figure now uh, in football, and I think he would split the fans. Mm-hmm. And we all know that what his sort of style of football is. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose it, it's all about what qualities the chairman is looking for in the next man. And I think that's what he's weighing up right now. Uh, I suppose, I mean, the one to sort of throw out there, um, for me, actually, who I I think is very interesting, would be Danny Cowley at Lincoln. You know, it's two promotions from the last three years uh, with a small club. uh, And, yeah, you look at his his reputation, it's it's really beginning to take off. And uh, I think he's one of sort of the, the brightest young English managers for me in the game, and uh, you know he's, he's somebody who's been courted by other clubs in the Championship, like West Brom were interested in him only a couple of months ago. But yeah, it, it's 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 one of those that sort of I, I look at and think that it's not an approach that we've seen from the chairman so far. Do you know that so far, Dave yeah. Chancery, you look at the three permanent managers that he's appointed. And two have been from abroad mm-hmm. and who've managed and worked for very big football clubs. And Steve Bruce, who has got four promotions on his CV and has been around for two decades. 
uh, it would be a bit of a jump for him to then go for a young British manager. But from what I'm hearing, I wouldn't rule it out completely. Um, And then, I mean, another one uh, that I sort of was looking at today and thinking possibly maybe there could be something in it or or there could be interest there, um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. It's it's a name that's been around for pretty much since the kind of the start really and, and, and has kind of just sort of hovered around in the uh, in the bettings without kind of shooting up or down or anywhere um, high profile good. name from what he's did as a player and then actually in his managerial career yeah. Fay and I think he was out for yeah, three years really, and he's won really a few trophies and, yeah. and, and kind of brought them back from, from a difficult period um, I, I guess all this really comes back to it it's, and it's not just about the individual is it it's about this is a really important appointment for us as was Steve Bruce um, and the, the statement that went with appointing Steve Bruce was someone that really knows a football club from top to bottom and can sort out a lot of the stuff that needs sorting out the uh, issues that we'd had in terms of um, transfers that had not particularly been successful, someone that had got a good record when it came to to transfers and spotting the other things within the club that needed some attention that's what you get with someone like Steve Bruce who, you know, I've, I've said a few times to me was kind of, he was almost a director of football kind of appointment, Steve Bruce. He didn't do a lot on the training pitch, that wasn't his thing, he'd got his team that that did that and he let them get on with it and, and he was doing something a little bit more and we saw some of the appointments that he, that he made were about tackling, you know, real sort of Ongoing major issues within the in the football club. He you know, he he'd done work in terms of the scouting. The fitness uh, was another thing that he'd identified and he tried to do something about. So um, it's really what direction do we go in now? I agree that Danny Cowley is um, has a great record and is quite an exciting young manager. But is that what Sheffield Wednesday need right now? Um, is it a club to come into in that in that situation? Or does it need a more experienced head who's maybe been there and done it a little bit more? Now, there's no. I'm not giving an answer as I kind of ask that question because I don't know. I mean, think maybe you know it could it could work brilliantly to bring in someone that's a little bit less experienced, but is absolutely you know desperate to do it. I was a big advocate of bringing Paul Hurst in a couple of years ago when Carlos went because I'm like, look, he's a he's a Wednesday fan from birth, and it will be a heck of a big job rebuilding things, and he'll work from six in the morning till ten at night if needs be to put it. To put it right um someone like Cowley will work really hard I, I've always quite liked the idea of Paul Cook because I think he's got a good record there and he's a real hard-working manager he's a grafter he'll do whatever it takes to kind of get things get things as they as they need to be um so the the issue that we've got right now isn't that all the names that we mentioned have got slightly different qualities you, you can't say well there's five people there that tick the boxes of what we need right now and there's only the chairman that knows what that is you know what we need right now is kind of up to him you know I'd, I'd genuinely be looking at someone like Cowley or even someone like Lee Bullen, I think, could do this if there was a higher appointment within the club as well, if there was a sporting director or a director of football, someone that can look at the infrastructure and the stuff that still isn't right, that a younger manager coming in is going to struggle to be able to deal with that and what's going on on the on the pitch. So um, I think I, you've actually answered your own question. But it's Eventually. all just, they're all different directions yeah. to go in. And the, the, what the right one is, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, Chris Hewton would just be kind of like, he could come in and just carry on kind of doing what Steve Bruce was doing, really. Uh, and then you've got other stuff that would be a different structure. The right direction, I haven't got a clue. But there's only one person that knows what direction it's going to go in. And I'm not, I, I get the impression he's probably not decided either yet as to what that direction is. I, I think, uh, you know, the chairman, he can't, he, can't, he can't have planned for this. This all sort of came out 
not quite from nowhere, but it, you know, it's literally one of those that has sprung upon him. And and again, if you look at the managers that he's hired in the past, it's always been on his terms. This is actually the first one where they've almost sort of been caught on the hop, really. You mm-hmm. can't plan, you can't expect for this. And so that's why I think they're going to be going through uh, you know, their due diligence to make sure that they get the right man in. And I think, again, from speaking to people uh, inside the football club, the impression I get is that ideally they would like to bring and make an appointment before the start of the season and that Reading away match a week on Saturday. But... The reality is, if they don't feel that they have um, interviewed or got the right people in, or whatever the reason might be, then they're going to wait and they'll be prepared to go in with Lee Bowen as as caretaker for first match, first two matches. Who knows how long it it, it could end up being? But that's, I think, really where we are right now. That you know, when's they been inundated with applicants? You know, they've had a hundred plus, and the club they've sounded out say the likes of Tony Pulis and Chris Hewton. That there's been there is interest, there has been interest in those two, uh, and you've got other names there who we've touched on, like a Gary Rowett, who from again what I get, I get told he would jump at the chance. He'd be very interested in coming to Wednesday, but. It all boils down to the one man yeah, eventually, yeah. Um, uh, and what he decides to do, what he believes is going to be best for the football club. I think fair play to him. To it's such an important decision to get right, and it, and it would be great to have someone in place before the start of the season. The one thing that we do have is that we know we've got Mister Dependable that we can fall back on, and Lee Bullen will take very good care of things. Now, um, it, this is it's an interesting one. This so Lee Bullen. Um, in the past, when he'd kind of you know been taking care of things after Carlos left, um, after Jos left, um, he kind of talked about things a little bit kind of non-committal. He kind of said, "I'll do this for as long as the chairman wants me to." This is the first time where he said quite clearly, "Yes, I would like the job." And and I I thought that the the language in his interviews during the preseason games and stuff has been. Um, quite noticeably different from in the past when he's been caretaker manager. And he's kind of talked about someone that's just kind of overseeing something. This time he, he seems to have been talking uh, quite, and there's no pun intended here, but quite bullish. You know, he's, he's really been, um, I, I think, quite kind of direct and made it pretty clear that he feels that he's that he's ready. Here's, here's my worry, or I, I guess there's no answer to this, because if we give Lee Bullen the job and it doesn't work out, then you know he's got he's got to, he's not going to then go back to being coach. You know he's got to go, and we lose Lee Bullen, which has been the one consistent through this football club for for, for several years now. And we know it doesn't didn't really matter that Steve Bruce left because we got Bullen to fall back on. We don't have the next Lee Bullen sat there waiting, so so that that is uh, an issue. But secondly, if if he does genuinely feel that he's ready for a, a manager role now, um, and we don't give him it, is is there a risk then that he's going to go look? You know, I'm going to go looking in League One or League Two or maybe in Scotland or whatever if he feels ready for it. And it just worries me that you know we we're having our hand forced a little bit about. Um, you know what role Lee Bullen's gonna play because I think I, I I think I guess I speak for all Wednesday fans saying we don't want to lose Bullen but is he ready yet? I don't know. It's I'm a big not, question. I'm not. I'm not convinced. He doesn't. I mean, what's your take? It, it kind of feels like the last few days he's not. His name's not come up very much. Doesn't seem to be in the running all that much at the moment. He could put himself in the running for it if he 
takes charge at yeah, the start yeah. of the season and then wins a few matches and then uh, you can force the chairman's hand that way. But True, no, right, but right now, no, I wouldn't say that he is in contention. I don't uh, believe that he is uh, a front runner or in okay. contention in the frame for the job. But like I say, that could change. I, I agree with you that I think that Lee Bourne is probably getting to that point now in his coaching career where if he's serious about wanting to become a manager, and he has talked about that um, a, a quite a few times over the years, that uh, if it doesn't happen for him this time around, maybe he might have to consider going elsewhere mm-hmm. to get that opportunity. Uh, as you've got to think that this was this is now the third time he's been caretaker at Wednesday over the last 18 months. And... On the previous occasions, he's taken charge for, say, four or five matches. And particularly in the la- the last time he was there after you know, Jos Lukai was sacked, you know, he did an excellent job, but he still didn't get, get it. He didn't get it on a permanent basis. So, uh, yeah, and he's never really had an opportunity to put his crack, uh, put a stamp on it or, you know, put, you know, Make his mark really. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, I just think that yeah, it's it's a tough one really for Lee, as he's been such a great servant for the club. But yeah, if he does have, and harbour genuine desires to be a manager, then yeah, I think maybe he, he might have to consider his options if he misses out this time around. But we'll have to wait and see. It'd be a real, it'd be a real shame. It's true what you said the, the, right at the start of that, by the way. About um, if you think back to Stuart Gray when he took temporary charge after Dave Jones left, and there wasn't really any suggestion that he was in the running, and yet once he did so well under Stuart Gray, it just became like we can't not give it to him now when we you know thrashing leads 5-0 at home 6-0 at home whatever it was um and it's like well he can't really then bring in someone else after that so you know if if it does roll into the start of the season who knows he's, he maybe has got that chance to kind of change the way that things unfold um right um i reckon that's enough manager talk were any of the names that you wanted to throw no, in no that was it i think we covered it all let's move on uh let's talk about the other news from um today which is kieran lee signing a new contract which uh was kind of worst kept secret everyone everyone knew this uh, so one year deal for um, Kieran Lee. There was a bit of surprise at, at the back end of last season when it was announced that, uh, that we'd offer a deal to, to Kieran Lee because his injury problems have been pretty well documented. Um, he's he's got a real point to prove. I, I've kind of seen people say, look, when Kieran Lee's fit, he's the first name on the team sheet. And, and considering the the form that he's been in, uh, pretty consistent form when he's been fit, it's kind of hard to argue with that, isn't it? You know, We know that there's a cracking football player in there. How often do you see it when players have had these injury problems they're just never quite the same player again? Well, yeah, that's the fear. But no, I don't buy into that. I I, I think he's almost a little bit after 18 months. I think he is starting a bit from scratch. I, and I think that Wednesday have got to ease him in gently. I think he's going to have to prove himself. Uh, he's 31 now as Kieran. Um, we, we all know about well-documented hip injuries he's had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, of course, a fit and firing Kieran Lee is going to be an asset for Sheffield Wednesday. But Wednesday at the moment have four central midfielders. And to, in my mind, the, the two who will be lining up in the centre at Reading will be Sam Hutchinson and Barry Bannon. I'd be surprised if it, if it was mm-hmm. anybody else other than them. And so I think Kieran Lee will have to bide his time and maybe be on the bench uh, but then you've also got Jerry Pelly Pessy, and it's all about who's going to be in charge. You know, yeah. They will have that decision to make. But I, I think, as far as Kieran Lee goes, uh, yeah, I mean, the big thing is that he has taken part in pretty much every training session and a lot of the friendlies, and he's come through them unscathed. So, one year deal. I think at the time 
when we were discussing at the end of last season, I, I can't remember really what I said about Kieran Lee, whether I said I would have offered him a contract or wouldn't have done. Um, but the more I've sort of looked at it now, I think it's a bit of a no-brainer, really, is if he'd gone, Wednesday would have been left with you know just the three sort of recognised and senior players. So they've got four, which I think four's a very good amount, yeah. but I, I, I'm sure we might come on to it in a sec maybe still an area that they might revisit. Well, let's let's talk about transfers, let's talk about the squad. Um, let's do outgoings first. So players that have left Wednesday this summer... This won't take long. Well, there we go, that's yeah. it. No one. So we've not we've not sold anyone, and we know that there's Wednesday players that are on, on the market that, that, you know, that we would like to move out. Um, I mean, probably every player's got a price on their head. It just seems like that price is pretty, is pretty, is pretty high. Um, lots of talk about Lucas Zhao possibly going. Um, we've had a bit of talk in the last kind of 24, 48 hours about possibly Jordan Rhodes going out again, uh, but still no, there's no kind of clear movement. What's, what's going on? Well, for start with Jordan Rose and QPR, there's nothing in that right. um, as things stand. Could change. Uh, was it like true, by the way, that we actually just said, hey, do you want him? Was, no. it, was it approached by us to them saying you can have him if you want it? Well, I, I think, you know, it's sort of come from the QPR end, but uh, from talking to a few people Wednesday, I don't think there has actually been an official approach right, okay. or anything Fair there. Enough. Uh, on the table for Jordan Rhodes, not really since Norwich, you know, way back like number of weeks ago in the summer. And uh, it, the fact is that of all the areas in the Wednesday squad which needs trimming, it's up front, uh, yeah. and it has been for some time, and it still remains the case. And when you look at the the strikers that you think most logically. Uh, people are going to be interested in and who are perhaps the easiest to offload, Jordan Rhodes and probably Sam Winnell are the ones that fit into that category. Uh, and so I think that possibly one of those, or maybe both, before the end of the window, I think maybe there might be some sort of loan activity with them. Mm -hmm. uh, you never know, there might be a permanent transfer as well, but it's certainly... It's, it needs trimming. That forward line, they cannot be carrying still six strikers, you'd no. like to think, uh, come August the 9th. Uh, it's not healthy. It's impossible to keep them happy. And, yeah, six is way too many. And no other club in the country probably has six no. strikers. And There's seven. No. Seven no. it was last year with Gary Hooper. Yeah. So Crazy. it's got to change. Um, I, I kind of look back and think, we've really messed up with strikers here because... Uh, this is going over all ground and it doesn't really matter, but um, we're now looking to offload strikers in the window when things are slow and things are stagnant. Uh, you know, we've had windows where people would pay over the odds for the players that we've got. And we, you know, we all kind of know that there were bids on the table for players that we'd look back now and go, geez, we should have taken that. Um, and, and we, you know, we are probably going to end up having to look at learning players out or taking bids that are maybe a little bit below ideally what we'd want for players because the market's just kind of where it is. And um, I just kind of look back and think we've got to learn from that. We've got to learn, you know, knowing when to sell players is dead important. And I think Steve Bruce made a, made a big deal about this, didn't he? And he, he saw that when maybe as a club we've um, not, not well, as fans maybe we have, but certainly in the way that the club's operated, not taking advantage of you know, selling players when the uh, when the time is uh, when the time is right. Uh, talk about incomings then. Now we talked about the three new signings um, in our kind of midsummer special. Uh, there's been no one else that's come in. We mentioned Josh 
Josh McCochran. Uh, I can't say his name. McEachran. McEachran. Um, who you know, looked like there might be something there, but but you know, obviously that's not that's not as it stands now. Is not gonna is not gonna happen. Uh, and I'm not seeing Wednesday kind of linked with anyone. There's no names that I'm seeing knocking around at the moment. Uh, no, not, not at the moment, uh, but I, th- I think it will change. But it's difficult. They're in a state of flux until yeah. the managerial situation is sorted out. As and this is why, like Lee Bourne, he couldn't offer something to some, you know, he couldn't offer something to Josh McEachern, for example, because he doesn't know whether he's going to be the manager. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very you know, tricky little sort of spot and predicament that they find themselves in. So top, pri- you know, the priority has to be sorting out the manager, and then the manager is going to have to very quickly assess the squad he's got at his disposal and um, where they need to strengthen and uh, they're running out of time. This is why we need a director of football because then, you know, there's always someone that can keep this stuff happening. There's a plan, a recruitment plan and it's agreed. It doesn't really, you know, the manager might change and it doesn't make a huge amount of difference to the direction of that of that plan. But uh, that's that, fill an hour in itself just talking about that. Uh, so looking at the squad as it stands now, uh, I suppose a slight anomaly here is that we know... We, we might need to bring in a goalkeeper if there's going to be a, a, a longish term injury to um, to Joe Wildsmith, but I'm guessing that you know, the, there'll be keepers out there or out of contract or um, someone that we can bring in on loan or something like that. But ignoring that, where where do you still think we know we need to trim down on um, strikers? What in terms of the other stuff? I mean, defensively, um, that's not looking bad. No, four players for me in total, centre half. Left back, central midfield, versatile forward. Okay. I'd, I'd keep it short and sweet like that. Centre half, I think they really need a right sided one uh, because at the moment they're unbalanced there for me. They've got Van Aken, Borna, and Fornoy who are all left footers. So Tom Lees is the only one who's right footed. So uh, they need another centre half. I, sp- I know. They've then got that the way we've discussed this before about Iorfa and he has played at centre-half in pre-season. Mm-hmm. And they can go to five at the back if they want to. Uh, so he gives them that flexibility. As it looks like Odebajo is going to be a full-back, both sides. Liam mm-hmm. Palmer can play both sides. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, but I still think that it's looking unlikely Michael Hector's coming back. Uh, um, I would say at the moment, but I, I, I just think it's the value. I think it's, it's the price that Chelsea have put on him. And with Fulham being interested, I, I don't see that happening. Okay. Uh, but you never know. You never, you know, he he was saying constantly all the time. At the end of that season, he'd love to come back. If it was down to Michael Hector, he'd be a Sheffield Wednesday player right now. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, there's more to it than that. Uh, left back is a weak area. Um, where I would maybe look at strengthening. Um, but then if they're happy with Odebajo at left-back or Palmer going into the new season, you've got Fox, Penny. They could make do. They could make do. I mean, yeah. I think for me, central midfield is one where they do need to because with the injury track record of Hutchinson yep. and Kieran Lee, I would say that, yeah, that's where a definite body needs to come in. So if, if they can only bring in, say, a couple of players before August the 8th, Central midfield, and I'd love to see another forward come in. Uh, a guy who, when I say forward, a winger, pace. Uh, someone, someone with, with pace, pace, someone with more yeah. with pace to add to Kadeem Harris. Who, by the way, in what I've seen pre-season, he's looked very promising. Yeah. 
Um, it's difficult to disagree with any of that. Actually, I think you, you're probably right on all that. All that front, it's it's a bit weird defensively at the moment because we've got a lot of players that can kind of play in a lot of different positions, yeah. and maybe we don't know for any of them kind of which position they're sort of excelling yet. You know, Matt Penny's a really interesting case, isn't he? Because he's had some great games, and there's been times where he's looked a bit out of his depth and he's struggled from time to time. Um, and you know, he loves to come. He loves to come forward. Ultimately, you know, is he going to end up doing a bit of a Kieran Lee? Will he end up being a midfielder rather than a a fullback? I don't know. Damn. It's it's it, 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 you know, there's a whole career in in front of him, isn't there? It's and, also important to point out, only a week to go, that Iolf was banned for the first two matches. Of course, he is. and uh, Fernando Forestieri may also be banned. Mm. Um, and we may find out more in the next few days about that. Right, we'll keep our eye out for that then. Uh, right, let's talk about the games that we have played then this uh, summer. How was Portugal, by the way? A uh, long time ago, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, it was a, You've been it was a very about three camp. times since then. Oh, uh, I've, I think I've been abroad four times in the last six weeks, and I've wow. been to every terminal at Manchester Airport, uh, so I'm sick of that place. Which is your favourite? Uh, well, it's got to be... One hasn't it? It's always one, yeah. One and the, the worst is three. We all know. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it was overcrowded and everything. And uh, no, it was really good. Uh, I, I, you know, the club. I have to say, you know, they treated and looked after me very well. Uh, and I mean, the level of access that was given. I was going to um, say, you seem to be much kind of closer to everything that was going on than in previous years. It was like, uh, yeah, you're like, I mean, like that right no, there in the middle of the yeah, transition. It's like no slight on sort of uh, Carlos Carvalho. And I went a couple of times to the Portugal camps under him, but he um, was very meticulous and would, you know, he would only allow you to do certain shots uh, yeah. and wouldn't, he didn't want too much of the work. That was going on in the training ground, going on social media. So actually, it wasn't just me; it was also the club. We mm-hmm. were all in the same boat. Whereas Steve Bruce, at, at the time, it was a very relaxed approach that he, they took um, to the training camp. But my God, I mean, they, I mean, I think seriously, I have to say that the players, from what I saw in the five, I was out there for half of that camp, and they were worked incredibly hard. Um, it was. Very different to Carl Valiel's mm-hmm. um, training camp. And not that I'm saying or criticising it and saying that was bad, but this was very traditional, old school, full on running, um, uh, running sometimes with the ball and a lot of running without it. Uh, so it was a real eye, eye opener. And um, yeah, it's just obviously no one could have foreseen then what happened uh, has happened Crazy, in the last few weeks. Um, what was uh, what was your beer of choice in Portugal? Uh, oh, uh, Sagres. Yeah, of course. Yeah, good, good choice, good choice. Um, there's been obviously a few preseason games since since then, um, including a couple of, uh, in um, Germany at the weekend. I know you weren't you weren't there. Um, we'll ignore the first one; it's not worth talking about. The the second one, really interesting game. This wasn't it from two 0 down to win three um, two. A, a second tier team in Germany, which is. It's not the same level as our second tier. That they aren't really on a on a par. But still, any game to be two 0 down and come back and win three two is um, you know is is it's got to be good. Yeah, four wins out of five, I think, from the friendly so far. Uh, I, I'm always cautious about lo- looking and reading too much uh, into friendlies. Uh, how many times have you seen it over the years where a team's won six, seven matches on the spin in? Uh, you're in pre-season and then they've gone into the, the, the yep. campaign and they've uh, struggled to string any results together. So That is often the case with Wednesday as well. Um, good yeah, pre-season I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that year under 
Carlos when they played Benfica, I think they won all of their matches. Or uh, you know, they had a they had a very good pre-season and then it was one win from the first yeah. six. So yeah, um, we we know from past experience not to read and look too much into pre-season. Uh, but uh, I do think there have been some pretty positive signs, and then hopefully they're going to sign off with another good performance against Espanyol on Sunday. So Espanyol on um, Sunday. I guess we'll get a bit of an idea from this about if Lee Bullen is in charge for the first game of the season, what he maybe sees as being his preferred formation slash starting eleven last Pre-season game is normally the one where you get a decent idea yeah, about yeah, who they're going to be yeah. thinking about, who's who's going to be playing a major role in the in the first game of the season. So uh, it'll be an interesting that one on um, on Sunday. Uh, right, what other stuff have we got to talk about? Well, we've got to talk about the stadium. Um, now we have touched on this before. We've we've talked about it a, a few times because it was kind of worst kept secret, wasn't it? Everyone kind of knew that it was happening. We all expected it to um, to happen. I, I guess maybe what we didn't see coming was the other stuff that sort of went with it, with the, the Sheffield 2, the Sheffield 3, Sheffield 4. Is there a 5 and a 6 as well? And I think one of them's now ceased trading already and closed down. Um, so um, I, I think not going to even attempt to try and um, dissect any of um, any of that stuff. Certainly, a very complicated kind of arrangement behind the scenes that the club have been working on really hard to to solve this um, FFP issue. Um, have you got any kind of particular sort of take on this? I've talked about it a lot on Al's about start, and um, you know, I think everyone's kind of said their bit and sort of made their peace with it a little bit yeah I think really you fall into one of two camps don't you you fall into uh, sort of yay relieved that uh, you know this has helped us avoid a points deduction or uh, possible sanctions from from the football league uh, you know due to uh, the mistakes that Wednesday have made uh, on recruitment that we have mentioned and dissected a lot um, on this podcast. Uh, Whitney recruitment has uh, been found wanting over the last few years and you, we do hope that the lessons will have been learned. But this is, of course, a one-time thing. And uh, so it's really now... I mean, this is... It's almost been like a last throw of the dice. This is it, really. They've got to get the house in order and they've got to now start... I, I, you know, getting that recruitment right, and that's why I don't see them uh, splashing the cash like they did a few years ago. I think those days, net for the time being, and rightly so, um, are are going to get put now, you know, pushed to the back burner. Uh, We've got to do it the right yeah. way from this yeah. point on. We we can't we can't go through that. It's just too big a risk, and you get the sign, don't you, from other championship clubs that th- there's there's more and more teams now that are going. Actually, that's not the way to do it. We've, you've you've got to do it the slow burn way, and you've got to do it the right way. And um, there's only really you, you particularly look at Wolves as one of the teams that have splashed a huge amount of cash, and it's worked. There's probably more where it hasn't worked. You know, we've seen Forest um, go down the route of spending a lot of money. We've seen Derby spend a lot of money. Um, other other teams um, who've kind of had those kind of couple of years of really throwing loads at it, and ultimately. It's just not. It's not really worked. So um, you know, a lot of clubs that are maybe realising there's a there's a better way of um, better way of doing it. So um, we'll probably get a decent idea really between now and the start of the season as to what we're looking at from a financial point of view. Because if we start panic buying uh, before the season starts, then it's it's a different sort of equation. Yeah. Uh, right then. So big big announcements time and uh, some big thank yous. So a huge big thank you to our supporters. Firstly, Tito Law. Uh, who are our 
gold partner for the season, which I've called this many different things. It was ultimate partner. It's now gold partner for the uh, for the season. So uh, huge big thank you to them. They're run by uh, a chap called Ollie, who is a big, big Wednesdayite. You can uh, find out more about them in our show notes from this episode. Um, also, big mention to our... Uh, can I call them bronze support? Are we going to go down this bronze, silver, gold route? We are so right. Our Sounds bronze like supporters. Yeah. So these are uh, these are uh, listeners who've signed up as, as supporters. Uh, no particular order here. So big thank yous to Matt Hale, Craig Richards, Andrew Chapman, Stan O'Reilly, Dan Holmes, Charlie Sharp, Andrew Simonette, Steve Wormsley, Matt Cooper. Uh, James Allen and Peter Lerman, who have all become official supporters of Singing the Blues. Thank you very much. Your support means that we can, uh, well, when we've got a new manager, we can afford to buy some really fancy equipment so you can interview them, which would be great. It's going to be brilliant. Um, If you do want to sign up as a supporter, then you can do. All you do, check the show notes. You'll see there's a link that will take you through there. Um, It's all done just through PayPal. It's nothing complicated. And what we're asking for is £20 to cover the season. We'll send you some stuff in the post. Um, Pop your Twitter handle on there as well so we can give you a shout out with our fancy graphics that we do um, and pop your address on there as well so I can send some stuff out to you and uh, we've actually had a couple of people that have signed up and haven't included their address and I've emailed them back and they've not got back in touch with me so um, if you haven't had anything through the post yet then just check sp- check your spam folder because there's probably an email from me waiting in there asking for your uh, address which leaves us on to I mean we're not we shouldn't be here right now. This was supposed to be where we were doing the first thing in the Blues Live, which we put a little bit on the back burner because there's so much that's up in the air at the moment that it just doesn't feel right. But our um, official supporters will be the first to be invited along to our first thing in the Blues Live, which um, it, anyone's guess as to when that will uh, take place. There's probably a few things that need to happen first before uh, it's really worth our while um, doing that. So, uh, yeah, big thank you to our supporters and check the show notes if you want to get involved with that. Uh, right, question. Dom, what do you think to the new kits? I like it. Yeah? Yeah, I like the home kit a lot. And, um, yeah, the away one is... It's yeah. an acquired taste. Yeah. Uh, actually, the away one, I quite like the leaked photos of it. I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. When I actually saw it. I'm like, I'm not so fussed by that. But the home one, there were quite a few people wearing it at tram lines last weekend. Um, it looks great on the photographs. It looks brilliant in person. Um, I think it looks great. It's a, it's a really, really good kit. And I like this route that they've gone down with this sort of like digital sort of effects that they've yeah, that yeah. they've done right across the social media stuff. I like that. I think it's really, really good. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it as well. Um, I don't really buy new shirts. I've not bought a new shirt for years. And I'm so tempted this year. Really tempted. Why don't you? You should. It just feels like, you know, I'm just a retro shirt kind of guy, you know? Well, there's guess- a word for that, tight. Um is there? Yeah. <laughs> Are you allowed to use it? <laughs> hey. Um, right, so this is going to bring us on to Alpinions. And um, I've not told you what Alpinions is. I hate it when you do this as well. Because there's so many yeah. big things going on at the moment. And it's been really hard to decide what to go with. I guess the obvious one would be, who do you want as Sheffield Wednesday manager? I thought, that's too obvious. Let's tackle something that's a, a bigger question than that. So after much deliberation, um, the question goes along the lines of this, really. After the reaction to the new one, let's settle this debate. What's the best Wednesday away kit of all time? Right? So we are tackling the serious stuff that needs deciding. There are three options, and you, you might disagree with me and uh, about the, the shortlist that I've done, because basically they're my three favourites, so I, I've got to find some way of whittling it down to three. I love this. You so, make your own rules here, don't you? Is it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Someone's got to make these decisions. Yeah. You've been busy covering actual news stuff. I've, I've got to sit here and come up with this. So is it um, 77 to 80, which is the purple and grey one? Ooh. Is it 88 to 90, which is the green hoops, a la Celtic? Uh, or is it 90 to 92, which is the Brazil yellow? Uh, what, are, what, what are you sticking your hat on? Purple and grey, green hoops, Brazil yellow. I like the purple and grey. It's a good kit. I know. It's a good kit. Um, that's probably going to get my vote as well. But that Brazil yellow one, it's, that's when I first started following Wednesday, uh, and it was a beautiful kit. still looks great now. Yeah, it does. The, yeah, the retro cracking. versions of that in the club shop are brilliant. So um, it's difficult. And that green hoop one is just so weird, and it's so kind of it's been so rare and everything that all three of them, I think, have got... Um, uh, I've got real sort of selling points. So we're doing this as a straightforward Twitter vote. Um, if you head to our Twitter page, you'll be able to cast your vote. Um, if you disagree completely and want to put something else forward, then feel free to uh, tweet us and uh, and comment. But they are the three that have made it onto the uh, shortlist that you'll be voting on. So purple and grey, green hoops, Brazil yellow. We'll find out next week what wins. If you want to join in the conversation, use the hashtag Alpinions. Um, tell us what you think. We'll mention some of your thoughts next Friday. We'll reveal the results and we will set a new Alpinions. You can come up with next week if you want. Wait. It might be a little bit more serious than this week. Who knows? Uh, and that's just about it. Thank you for joining us. You can catch Dom on Twitter at Dom Housen. Uh, I am at James Marriott. You can contact the show and cast your vote in our opinions at Dom and James. As ever, let's have your feedback on the show. We appreciate your reviews. Please subscribe to us for free in your podcast app of choice to get the new episode every week. And check the show notes for details of how you can become a Singing the Blues supporter. Up the owls, and we'll see you next Friday. <laughs>